0: Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello and welcome back to Vice and Easy. Thank you again, as always, for listening, for subscribing, for telling your friends, for following and subscribing on social media. This week, we got a really good episode to break down. I am very excited. I believe I have 24 audio clips. So let's see if we can get through this. Currently recording this at 11 at night. Let's see if my neighbors kill me. I've also been just so busy this week, but, like, not actually productive busy, but, like, having to go to different parts of the city, so I'm just surrounded by, like, clothes on the floor in my, quote, recording studio, makeup everywhere, and I'm just like, oh my god, I just need to get this episode done and I really want to do it justice, but, like, every day there was just, like, something else I had to do. I was like, oh, there's never enough time. (laughs) that'll be me next week. If I'm not able to clean, do laundry and all that fun stuff, but let's get to important things. We are breaking down season two, episode 20 entitled payback per IMDb. They don't really give a good gist of it. Crockett goes undercover to get closer to quote, a weasel dust end quote dealer brackets. Frank Zappa is our guest star. We also have Dan Haddai returning and, uh, I'll let you wait for that one because you've got to hear the accent that he brings to this episode. Now we open up with a really, really, really solid cold open. I got tons of media, tons of gifts from this cold open where Crockett is pulling up to the jail. We don't know what he's there for. We see the super iconic shot that is also the cover episode, cover art for this episode of him holding up the badge with his Ray-Vans on, getting into the prison, unloading his gun, the magazine, Going down the White Hallway, which is like a great liminal space shot. I got a GIF of that as well. Please go check out our gallery at Vice and Easy Podcast. You can find it on Imager, And as always, it's always linked in the show notes because you really got to follow along this episode to see just how amazing the Cinematography is. It is directed, if I'm not mistaken, by Aaron Lipstadt. I'm not 100% familiar with his work, but I really like what he did with this episode along with the cinematographer because the use of space and lighting and shadow work is top notch. This episode, I really enjoyed this episode. I wish I could have watched it like two more times before this episode to make it a total of five once he gets to the jail there's another really iconic shot of him waiting to be let into the door and the sliding door slowly opens crockett looks amazing still wearing his ray-bans white jacket a little bit oversized for him looks amazing and he's going in to meet a prisoner named moroto that he actually put away now crockett's not really sure of the reason for the meet Moroto's kind of making a little bit vague, basically saying that, you know, it takes a big cop to take him down. Then things get a little elevated when Moroto gives Crockett the kiss of death. Clip one.
1: You got 30 seconds before I walk out of here. Now, what did you want me for?
0: Now, my God, I know I mentioned this on, I believe it was the last episode, where once again, someone has committed suicide in front of Crockett, and I can't even imagine how traumatizing that must be. And I know someone who had to go to therapy as a child because they saw someone jump in front of the train in Toronto, and this must be tenfold. So I can't even imagine the fact that... This is probably the third episode in a row that this has been a part of the episode. And I don't even know how many times within season one and season two. I don't want to keep track of it, but it's a lot. So poor Crockett. This must be incredibly, incredibly difficult to deal with. And this episode, unfortunately, just gets tougher and tougher for Crockett. So we're left wondering, like, what is this? What's going on? And we see this woman come to what looks like the police station so not exactly OCB as we know it or the precinct as we know it but maybe like the head and she's in a very 80s yellow dress with some great shoulder pads she's looking for Crockett so she leaves a message with the receptionist and state that it's very important that he gets this we have never seen this woman before in our lives Now, Crockett and Tubbs are on the Scarab on the way to see Fuente, and Fuente is quite a well-known, quote, weasel dust dealer uh, who is notorious for only doing business by boat. Tubbs actually brings this up in this next clip.
2: You think it's true that Fuente never steps foot on land, just lives out there on the boat? Never seen him at Heff's
1: parties.
0: Ah, so we are about to meet Ruben, the right-hand man to Fuentes, the guy in question. Now, let me set up this shot for you because Crockett and Tubbs both look impeccably well-dressed in their own styles. We got Crockett with, I want to say, a striped, very light, thin-knit gray blazer with a pink undershirt. And then we have Tubbs in a suit with an aqua undershirt and a patterned blue blazer. Then Ruben, the right-hand man who I just mentioned, Guess looks a little familiar, right? Isn't that Dan Hadaya? Is wasn't he on One eyed Jack? And wasn't he speaking with an American accent? Because <laughs> wait for it.
1: What kind of wait we talking,
0: Kuba? Maybe eighty keys
2: to start. Everything goes well. Maybe a hundred keys a month. Keys a month, every month. That's heavy traffic, Kuba. You can handle it, huh? No problem, man. Okay.
0: I love how Tubbs is just like, I don't know what accent to do. So I'm just going to go with like a mishmash of Caribbean accents. I'm just going to be Cuban and Jamaican today just to make a business deal with this guy. So I actually looked up Dan Hedaya. I I was like, what's his background? Yeah, he's uh, of Syrian Jewish heritage. So he's a Sephardic Jew. So that was really funny because in the next episode in Freeverse, there is also an American. (laughs) cosplaying as a Latino. So also a very fun accent to get to. But uh, let's stick with this episode for now. <clears throat> Pardon. So Ruben is kind of laying the groundwork for how the deal is going to go down. Basically, nothing is going to transpire on land. Everything happens at sea. The money gets taken out to sea. The product gets taken out to sea. And Fuentes, Fuente is just staying out at sea. So he's definitely found a way to circumnavigate Any laws, even though I believe there is maritime law, but this is not my area of expertise. This is where it would be great to have someone who has passed the bar in Florida, because I'm sure maritime law is a big part of that, especially in the 80s. And unfortunately, Ruben just reiterates the fact that they're not going to meet Fuente today and that it's very hard to actually meet Fuente. So kind of a little bit despondent, because, again, this is their big undercover deal there back at OCB, Gina has tons and tons and tons of messages. This is back in the day, kids, when the messages were written by hand by a secretary, by an executive assistant, or in this case, a receptionist, and passed along to you when Crockett gets all these, all these, all these messages from Gina. And then as Crockett is walking to Castillo's office to meet with the feds that are assigned to help with the case... Zweitek makes a little bit of a crack about who's leaving Crockett, all those messages. Then Crockett smartly retorts that they're from his girlfriend. And then Zito points out that it'd be funnier if Zweitek even had a girlfriend, which is funnier when you kind of remember the episode, the Elvis-themed episode, where Zito's ex-girlfriend started dating Zweitek and moving in. And uh, then Zito's house burned down and they all had to move in together. So that's a little bit funny in retrospect. Then on to more serious matters. At Castillo's office at OCB, Crockett and Tubbs are talking with the feds, giving a little bit more backstory on Fuente and his deals.
1: Fuente, you're talking Mr. Safe. He sits out there in the ocean, one of the biggest yachts you've ever seen. That's where he makes all of his trades. Just him, the dope, and the buyer. The first hint of trouble, he dumps. All the little fishes get frozen noses. (laughs) Yeah, well, so we figured the only way to bust this guy is face-to-face. But we can't get an appointment with him. No one can. We're talking about the Howard Hughes of dealers. Well, I think we can help you out there.
0: And after that discussion, Castillo does agree that they can come on and help with the case, since it has been taking a while. Then we break completely, work hard, play hard. We are at a bar called Frankie and Johnny's. I looked this up. It's in Fort Lauderdale. It no longer exists. It was demolished in the 90s, unfortunately, because this decor is what I personally would want if I could run a business that didn't need to make a profit. Whereas a bar like this, especially in a place like LA, might be popular on Instagram for like one or two months. It might be better as a pop-up bar. Uh, I don't think it would be like a neighborhood bar that you would go in every day, but it's exactly my style. There are pink and blue neon lights. There are palm trees inside. They're fake. Mirrored everything amazing fashion a ton of sequins we have a girl in a sequined blue dress making eyes at crockett with a woman with a pink uh, pink sequin dress behind and then we have crockett possibly drinking a cocktail i'm going to assume it's possibly a manhattan maybe a martinez definitely something very strong because i was a little caught off guard because he always just drinks a shot of whiskey and then they meet with one of the feds at the bar. And this fed's name is Kate's. And before they meet up with Kate's, Crockett's getting a little paranoid. and He's getting a little tired of living the double life.
1: Maybe you're right, Rico. After 12 years in this business, maybe I'm developing a nose cooler's paranoia. <laughs> no problem, man. A little
2: R&R and everything will be cooler on him.
0: Two things I want to point out. The song that's playing in the background is Base in Trouble by Sly and Robbie. Then, I will give the writers credits. When we first started Miami Vice in September 1984, and keep in mind the pilot was filmed probably February 1984, keeping in time with pilot season, Crockett had been undercover for 10 years. Now that it's 1986 in that timeline, he says 12 years. So I will definitely credit that continuity. I need to find a clip that celebrates continuity because the only one I have... Is that Simpsons one of, oh boy, I hope somebody got fired for that blender. So let's give the writers credit for that continuity. It's funny. I was like, what did they talk to Kate about? Ah, I wrote zero notes about it because I was just so overwhelmed with the decor. Then Sunny ends up taking home the woman in the blue dress. Now, he was also pining to Tubbs that, you know, he would love to be able to meet a woman and say his last name is Crockett as opposed to Burnett. And so we don't know who he has introduced himself to, to this woman. Unfortunately, as they're getting closer to the St. Vitus dance, Crockett notices something awry. He notices the lights on, hears music blasting, and it's not his style of music. It's punk music. And if we know anything about Crockett, it's a lot of, a lot of country and a lot of, Southern music. So something is definitely amiss. Crockett runs down without her. He tells her to stay up on the deck to kind of survey the situation. He runs into the salon, the kitchen, doesn't see anything, is able to turn the music down and then sees a letter written to him on marker on what appears to be his desk covered in plastic that says, where's the money Crockett? And again, he is known at the marina his neighbors know him as Burnett not as Crockett so this is really unsettling so I'm assuming he doesn't go home with the woman or that the woman doesn't come home with him because next morning he is half naked on the couch answers his phone call and of course I got I got a shot of the phone call with just a very weird ominous message that says share the wealth share the wealth Crockett and again how do they know his real name So he's getting a little bit on edge and he hears footsteps up on the deck and he pulls out his gun and surprise, surprise, it's Tubbs coming by to check up on him. Rightly so. Oops, before I continue on, a little bit of backtrack. Let's play the message for you.
1: Share the wealth, Crockett. What are you talking about? Share the wealth.
0: I'm also really enjoying the Jan Hammer music. I believe this is payback because you can kind of hear it throughout the entire episode because it really does add a level of tension in the way that it kind of like crescendos up. Like I feel extra anxious watching this, especially if that were me and someone had ransacked my house and was calling my personal line using my real name and not my cover name. So it's just kind of all adding to the overall tension. And luckily Tubbs is there. To give him some really good advice, Tubbs is 100% rightly worried about him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Elvis, uh, there's this. Do I have a clip of this? Let me see where Crockett's basically telling off Elvis for being a bad guard dog. Let me see. Oh, see, where's my mind this week? Unfortunately, I don't have it. But here's a really good conversation between Crockett and Tubbs in this next clip.
2: You've been acting real rough around the edges, man. Rico, save it. All right. Hey, Hey, Sonny. I can see it from here you got to lighten up. In our business, we can't afford to have our mind on anything else.
0: I do think Tubbs is 100% on the right. Remember, this is not too far removed from Sonny having seen another person kill themselves in front of him for having his privacy violated. And Tubbs does make a really good recommendation that Crockett ask Castillo to be moved from the boat to somewhere safe. And Crockett's very stubborn. Surprise, surprise doesn't want to be moved and I'm just gonna get super vain for a second Crockett looks amazing at this shot of him on the deck of the boat on his cell phone looks like a million bucks I guess that'd be a cordless phone cell phone cordless phone not sure now let's get back to a little bit more fun we are going back in reality we're going back to Frankie and Johnny so I guess it's a club and a restaurant because it looks like kind of like a finer dining Eh, maybe like mid-level dining Restaurant, But again, you got some glass blocks. you got lots of amazing decor. You have pink fabric. You have metal chair frames that are like a green turquoise. And then so tufts are stuck in a tiny table right next to the bathroom. And they are not happy about it.
1: We're watching somebody else play our hand. Love the table toots. Maybe next time you can put us a little closer to the men's
0: Huh? And it's funny because they're also right by the server station. So you can see the servers going behind to get cutlery and mise en place. So it is really funny. And then they just watching Kate's and um, Rodolfo with two women just kind of shooting along and having fun at this lunch. And they're stuck in the corner. So then they go over to join Kate's and Ruben for lunch. I was really grossed out by this clip I took. Because I'm trying to look at their lunch. I have obviously put a picture on the gallery. I will describe it to you. There's cut fruit, citrus, sliced meat, and peas on the same plate. Oh. Ugh. Okay, so that aside, what are they talking about? Well, Crock and the Tubbs, they keep telling them that they want to meet Fuentes. And My note is the Fed is sitting there and, oh my God, that Chester. So basically Dan Hedaya's Chester is popping out of his shirt and it's gray as he's eating this fruit sliced meat pea dish. Oh, it's so gross. However, Crockett looks like a million bucks. I will definitely... Give credit where credit is due. Both Tubbs and Crockett look a million bucks in this scene. Crockett is wearing a very light fabric. I believe it's possibly lighter than linen. I'm assuming it is linen, but like a turquoise blue. And then we have Tubbs in a gray suit and a pink button-up shirt, looking both looking like a million bucks. So after that disgusting lunch, where again, they're not really getting too much further with this whole case. They're back at OCB and... I cannot read my own writing. Crockett and Tubbs are. Ah, Crockett and Tubbs are venting that the Fed is making so much more headway than they were on this case. Guess who brings some words of wisdom? Why, none other than Zito.
2: is on undercover work. Or maybe steers in the right direction. <laughs> well, the way I figure it, Fuente is like a lid on a jar that's screwed too tight. And you guys worked real hard on that lid for three months. Kate's comes along, makes the final twist.
1: That's a nice way of looking at it. Thanks, Larry.
0: Now, remember that woman that we saw at the beginning of the episode who was looking for Crockett? So throughout the episode, we cut to scenes of her going through a phone book with a pen or pencil. I couldn't tell which one. Very old school, basically trying to see if Crockett or Burnett is listed. And Gina comes in letting Sonny know that he has more messages. So this is getting a little bit, a little bit weird. And just as Gina comes out to talk and let him know about the messages, Crockett, ooh, Crockett is ordered into Castillo's office alone. Now, the bad news, Internal Affairs wants to see Crockett ASAP. WTF, what's going on? Because I don't know what's going on. Crockett is far from a dirty cop, but we know that someone got into his place and something strange is definitely going on. And then when Crockett's waiting in the Eternal Affairs room, he is incredibly nervous and there's only one other guy in the waiting room just reading, kind of minding his own business. Crockett's pacing, he's fiddling with the thermostat, he's feeling really hot and he kind of reaches up to the other guy to see what's his deal. Why isn't the other guy sweating?
1: Why aren't you sweating? I'm talking to you, pal. Maybe I don't have any reason to sweat. Maybe you do. Maybe I'm not going to play this
0: game. So after that, I'm assuming that Crockett's really on edge because that could be a plant. I'm not sure if that's a thing. I unfortunately don't know anything about internal affairs. It would make sense so that there would kind of be like a waiting room plant, someone to make someone extra nervous or kind of to act as a confidant to get a little bit more information before he has to actually go into the office. So that makes sense. And obviously, Crockett has a right to be paranoid. He doesn't feel safe at home. He doesn't feel safe at work. I 100% get it. He is not doing well. And I wish he would take tubbs's advice but sadly he does not then we go back to the precinct and we're having a little bit of a meeting basically how to deal with this plan with fuentes because we're actually going to get in we're actually going to get a face-to-face with fuentes they're talking logistics now remember the woman that i mentioned was looking up Crockett in the phone book she was the one going to miami dade metro leaving all these messages well she's on the phone with a mysterious someone saying that she found Crockett and that she wants to see this person's face once he gets the news. Now, at the same time, this is happening. Frank Zappa, our guest star, a.k.a. Fuente, standing on his boat as Crockett and Tubbs go in the scarab to visit him. They're finally doing the meet. Um, Personally, I do love the decor of this yacht. I did notice the plastic... um, pour spouts on the bottles which also is a little bit gross because again you're in a tropical part of the world just in general with all the fruit flies i would not have plastic uncovered pour spouts just chilling on a boat i think that's super unhygienic and also just seems very cheap for someone who's fancier i would assume that he would want to do cap and hand bartending which is where you don't use pour spouts and you measure things or uh yeah, it just seemed really weird. And I think they had two bottles of triple sec. I'm like, what are you guys making? I saw Stoli. So I guess they're making Cosmos. I guess it was the 80s. I do like the two girls hanging on in the boat. We got some great bathing suits. We got one light blue and pink patterned mayotte. I'm not pronouncing that right. It's M-A-I-L-L-O-T. I'm pronouncing it French. It may not be. And then we have a girl in a yellow bikini just kind of chilling. You know, why not? Just lying on the boat. Like, that's what girls do. And... Then we see the woman standing, the one that was trying to find Crockett, standing with, Zampa, with Frank Zappa, with Fuente. And his goons are really stylishly dressed. We got a lot of great colors in here. We got some teal. We got a nice uh, kind of... Looks like there's birds on one of the guy's shirts. So it's quite an interesting setup. And as Crockett goes to meet Fuente, turns out... Fuente knows a lot more about Crockett than anyone ever thought in this next clip.
2: One day, my man Moroto sends for the police officer who arrested him. They talk briefly, and then guess what? Moroto kills himself. You know what I think? I think Moroto told the cop about my money. So I look everywhere for this slimeball cop. His name is Crockett. Then I found something out. A bigger surprise. There's a guy, his name is Burnett, a two-bit player looking to get into the weasel dust industry. I found out that Burnett and Crockett are the same guy. I want my three million dollars, Crockett, it's mine.
0: Oh, interesting. So this is where the money and the messages all come into play. And of course, we know that Crockett didn't take any money. Now, before we get to the action, did you notice who's not on the yacht? Did you notice that the Fed Cates, who was so integral into getting a meeting with Fuentes, isn't there? That's interesting. Let's put that in our pocket for later on. Now, naturally, Crockett gets irritated, starts a huge fight, and a big shootout occurs on board. The Bottles stuck with the plastic pour spouts that I was just talking poorly about all get blown up. So we got some good media from this little shootout. Crockett and Tubbs end up taking Fuente on the Scarab and driving off. Now, they have Fuente on the Scarab. They were able to escond with some extra artillery, if you know what I mean. And they have Fuente's. And also my note is, LOL, as if Sonny stole $3 million just to live on the boat. Yeah, that's what I would figure. I'm like, if he's really a dirty cop, would he be living on a houseboat? Like, I know that's his cover, but like, that's his only domicile. Like, he has nowhere else to go. So interesting. Uh, $3 million is also today, in today's money, $8.12 million as of 2023. So that's a lot of money. That is a much nicer house than the houseboat. <laughs> now... As they're on the scarab, Crockett and Tubbs threaten to take him in, but unfortunately, Fuentes laughs them off, and Tubbs has to agree with him. They can't take him in. They don't have anything on him. Well, Fuentes still wants his money. Crockett can't take him in. Doesn't have any leverage on him. So, what do we end up doing?
1: No, but we can throw him in. Time for a swim, pal.
0: So once again, they don't have the result that they want. Now, Crockett is super pissed when he's back at the precinct, arguing with the feds, arguing with Castillo. He's really upset. He feels like he's being watched, hence the call to internal affairs, by his own people. And then he's being targeted by Fuente for the money that Crockett never stole. And fortunately, Crockett's story doesn't appease Fuente. There's no way to get around it. So he is rightfully pissed in this next clip.
1: No wonder I felt like I was being watched. I WAS being watched! You blame us, Crockett? Over a year of playing tough guy, suddenly Moroto feels like a visitor. You. When I busted Murado, he was just another dirtbag looking to put together a dirtbag deal. I had no idea he had anything on Fuente. I never heard of the three million bucks! I believe you, Sonny. Oh, this is beautiful. What is this, uh, a vote of confidence from uh, from another I.A. mole?
0: So after this, Cates explains that he's actually DEA and that after all this went down, he was actually brought in to help with the case. The other fed definitely has an attitude, but let's all commend Castillo for standing up for Crockett in this next clip.
1: Now, I figure Moroto for classic machismo. More than likely, he fell in love with the one guy who took him down. That's enough. I'm not finished yet. Yes, you are. You want to talk to one of my personnel? You go through the proper channels. All oh, right. right. Well, maybe three million's enough to share. Crockett.
0: Can you wait outside? Now, no surprise that one of them gets punched in the face, but it's not the one you think. It's not the one that Castillo just reprimanded. The other one, the D agent who says that, you know, he believes Crockett, blah, blah, blah. He comes out after Crockett leaves the room in, again, that cheesy blue suit that he's wearing the entire episode. Crockett promptly socks him right in the jaw, tells him off for basically selling him out and for compromising the entire investigation which completely right when Castillo opens the door to see what's going on the Fed plays it off like oh I'm so clumsy and then as the Fed is icing his face he comes up with a plan the Fed Cates proposes that Crockett acts like he has the money and buys the coke from Fuente this sounds very problematic and very risky for many reasons Tubbs is going to bring this up. They know that Crockett's a cop. And again, this is money that he thinks that you stole from him and then you're going to use it to kind of give it back to him, but not without something in return. could go poorly. Tubbs is on the money with this one.
2: Fuente knows that Crockett's a cop. Good or bad, it doesn't matter. Fuente has animals out there that pick their teeth with cop's badges. It's a way to go.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's a people that would care about the risk of killing a cop when they purposely do business at sea and they know how to circumvent laws and they know that they can't be taken in. I don't really think they have anything to lose. So let's go back to the bar. We get some more amazing shots. We get a woman who kind of looks like Bonnie Tyler and just this whole Tropical shirt, heavy makeup, teased hair—it's just so '80s, just so apropos of the time. I love it so much. And of course, she has pearls on, and she's drinking what looks to be possibly a tequila sunrise. I'm trying to see if that's grenadine at the bottom. And then yes, she's next to the girl, bumming a drag off the other girl. It's just so amazing when Crockett and Tubbs are in the corner with the mirrors behind them. Crockett is now back to just drinking a shot, so he's back to his old self, and. He's really coming undone at the seams, as he 100% is justified in feeling so. And let's hear the title of this episode one more time.
1: I knew everybody would think I had the money.
0: I also appreciate the sexy song playing in the background. That is Dancin by Chris Isaac. Yes. He had more songs than just wicked game. Who would have thought? So after crook is kind of grappling with the reality that he's in, knowing that he's in grave danger and this whole deal could really backfire on him. He's really conflicted. He goes back to the precinct where Castillo is possibly napping. Maybe he's just resting his eyes, but I'm going to say he's napping in his office and again this is a really great shot a really great scene incredibly well lit and directed and blocked so you have Crockett you kind of see his shadow passing over Castillo as Crockett stands in the doorway and him and Martin talk about what's going on and he just wants to get Castillo's opinion in this next clip I need to know Martin
1: what did you think
2: It's not what I think, it's what I know. I know you're a good cop. I
1: got a half a winch. Fuck that in my mouth from under this thing, Marty. He's yours
0: what i really like is that i looked up i was like what's this Jan homer song i remember this from bushido which is another castillo centric episode and i was like oh it's russian story so it definitely has to be from bushido and again you're getting that song in the background with a really integral scene with castillo and crockett so i just think the direction and the production of this episode top notch top notch and I guess this is one incredibly long night for Crockett because after this, they're going to a pool party. The one judgment, maybe I just need to zoom in a little bit more, rewatch it, is it looks like the tiles outside the pool party are all broken. And I'm like, wait, isn't this supposed to be like a fancy pool party house? So this is again where he's going to meet with Ruben and the fed, Kate's Remember Kate's Kate's the one that got socked in the face, are sitting at the bar when Crockett, he puts on a lot of attitude and saltiness in this next clip because he is there to do business he there's a great gif i'll, I'll play the scene first and then you can kind of get the just the gif where crockett is crumpling up hundred dollar bills and just tossing them and he's doing that because he's actually going to tell ruben that he wants to do the deal he wants to buy coke from fuente with the money that he stole from fuente from the prisoner. So this is incredibly wild. Ruben Rodolfo, again, this is Fuente's right hand man. Cannot believe the balls that Suddy is displaying.
1: Here's what we're talking about. I got three mil. Fuente wants it back. I'll trade him for a hundred pounds of Bolivian margin dust you crazy man. That's his money to begin with. Possession's nine-tenths the law. He will kill you just for saying these things. No, it's not for the worst deals. Fuente loses the cost of the dope, but he gets his money back. Now, getting something from this, I know it. From me, 15%, what's wrong with that? It's not just the money. Fuente gives me his word that somebody's not going to sneak up behind me and put a bullet in the back of my head. No word, no deal.
0: Now that music you heard in the background was the instrumental part of Three Sisters by Excess. And after that discussion where Crockett is once again asking to have Fuente's word that he won't be off, they basically agree that Crockett doubles down. He says he wants to have his word face to face with Fuente. Not through a middleman, not through a call, but face to face. Then we go back to the precinct when they're discussing logistics of the deal, basically stating that the dope and Fuente both have to be on the boat at the same time. And when they start asking about the money, the Fed reassures them that they know that Crockett won't show the money until the deal is about to go down. So... Hopefully things are a little bit better. However, Tubbs is still really worried for Crockett. Calls a suicide and Crockett just says, tell me another way. And back at the St. Vitus dance. Oh my God, this outfit. Again, if you are not listening to this in the car, please go check out the gallery because it is Dan Hadaya in a very bright color blocking ensemble. It is a bright teal turquoise shirt unbuttoned so we also have the salt and pepper chest hair please don't forget that with the purple pants (laughs) it's just a lot of colors at once wild that uh i think that's definitely going to be my wild card choice there's a few contenders especially the woman sitting at the bar i don't know i guess we'll uh deal with that at the end of the episode but wild so again this deal is about to go down and ruben dan hendaya is going to check Crockett for a wire. So he takes him down into the salon of the St. Vitus Dance. Basically says, like, we can do this here, we can do this on your boat if you want a little bit more privacy. And I will note that Kate's has been fitted with a wire once Ruben and Crockett go down into the salon. Boop he undoes the wire, and Zito and Soitech notice that they no longer have the surveillance. And now while this scene is going on, as Kate says, undone his mic, his wire, Tubbs is at OCB, and he's reading an implicating report. I was trying to read this myself, but then I realized the first few letters of every word are cut off, so I'm kind of just making guesses as to what's there, basically saying that on August 14th, Abo- aboard Fuente's yacht that Cates was noticed by a crew member so Cates was on Fuente's yacht on August 14th things start to click in motion for Tubbs and he goes to Castillo with this information
2: Cates was on Fuente's yacht the day that Maroto walked off with the cash he had to know he told me and Crockett he didn't know anything about the money until internal affairs called him in on it. So I called internal affairs. He called them and volunteered.
0: Uh oh, this is really bad news. And again, remember, this is 1986. There was no way to get a hold of Crockett because they are going to switch boats from the St. Vitus stands to the Scarab. So he doesn't have the phone on the Scarab. So there's no way to contact Crockett and they know that he's being set up and he knows that this fed, this DA agent, is dirty. So, oof, poor Tubbs, he was right all along. And so now Crockett, Kate's, and Ruben are on the way to see Fuente and make this deal go down. And as they're kind of, you know, making chit-chat on the way there, Crockett goes down below to grab a beer for Ruben. And as he's there, he's kind of taking his time, puts his sunglasses on the counter, sees the duffel bag next to him. And he's like, "Oh, he, he's overwhelmed by curiosity, unzips the duffel bag, finds stacks and stacks of money. And at that exact moment, he hears a gunshot when Kate shoots Ruben. Now Crockett knows that he's in deep, deep, deep trouble. Goes upstairs, starts fighting with Kate's throws the bag of money that's unzipped at Kate's and it's stuck. The handles are stuck to the side of the boat and dollar bills are just flying off as they're fighting and they're both armed and it is just a a wild fight. I believe it's maybe just one gun between them, but it keeps changing hands. It is quite a big fight. And there's also a really funny moment. I believe I have this where it's just Dan Hadaya passed out pretending to be dead um, because the boat's still going, the boat's still in motion, and just kind of like him with his head down in that ridiculous outfit, and then by the time they're finally able to, Crockett's finally able to kind of beat Kate's to a pulp, get him to stop, and is able to stop the boat. You see, maybe all but five or four hundred dollar bills left in the bag, so everything else is out at sea. Now the money's gone, Kate's got the crap beat out of him now it's time for Cates to explain himself
1: you know what you did to me you know what you put me through you know what this job did to me I just wanted to sit and rest, Crockett. That's all I wanted. I still want the money. They're going to be coming after you. You ain't got nothing now. I'm sorry, Sonny.
0: Okay, wow. And then at that time, he just conveniently decides to die, leaving Crockett alone on the boat with another dead body, an empty duffel bag that used to be full of cash and is still being targeted by a drug dealer that thinks that he robbed him. So isn't that nice that the Fed wanted peace and quiet and decided to set up a lower rung individual to do so as opposed to maybe trying to do something of honest means, especially like you get a good government pension with the DA from what I've heard. So poor Crockett. And all is not at the end of the day that Crockett still has his integrity. He didn't take the money. He watched the money fly off into the ocean and he can sleep well knowing that he's not a dirty cop and that he did the right thing. And uh, unfortunately... No, good deed goes unpunished. I guess that is the theme of the episode, unfortunately. But however, what a great episode. I really enjoyed everything down from the Jan Hammer instrumental to the cinematography to the amazing accents. Ugh. Now, and of course, we got some good guest stars. We got Dan Hedaya coming back and we got Frank Zappa. Now, I don't really have enough Vice d to do a full vice tea, so I'm going to forego it this week. But we'll let you know if you want to do more research on Frank Zappa. He is quite an interesting individual. Obviously, we all know him as a musician. Unfortunately, tragically died pretty young from prostate cancer at only 53 years old. Grew up with his father working with uh, chemical warfare weapons with the military. And unfortunately, there was a story of him playing with mercury. And I remember once I broke a mercury thermometer and you like go chase the little mercury balls. Yeah. So apparently uh, they would bring that home for him to play with. He got radiated insert and radiate him inserted into his nostrils to um, to deal with sinusitis and I was like wait didn't radium kill Marie Curie isn't that why her body is in a uh, very foolproof safe coffin yeah same thing so unfortunately that is not 100% known if that's the cause of his death but that is predicted for someone to die so young but lived an incredibly interesting life which I didn't know is that a lot of the early stages of his career were actually not only just in Southern California but in kind of outlying suburbs that I'm quite familiar with so he actually grew up in Lancaster for a bit then he was also out in Rancho Cucamonga went to community college out there for a little less than a year and was so disheartened by the higher education learning system he actually pulled all four of his children out of school around the age of 15 and didn't encourage them to do any higher learning which I think is uh not what I would do but I do think that you know at least he's sticking to his guns speaking of his children that's mostly how you might know him because of course his children moon dweezel ahmet and diva and moon is short for moon unit and she was the girl in the valley girl song like oh my god that's actually his daughter which i think is really cute i was gonna say he's probably what most well known for that song which is quite funny but he's definitely loved lived a very interesting life and i thought that was sweet he uh, married his second wife gail and they were together from 1967 until his death in 1993 so pretty cool guy and super cool children all his children have done really cool stuff and uh definitely quite a character and we are better for it. Dan Hadaya, nothing new, again, to report. Uh, Best known to me as Cher's dad. Now, let's break down music. So, we had Bass in Trouble by Sly and Robbie, Soul Kitchen by X. That was the punk song blaring on Crockett's boombox when he got his house ransacked then we have dancing by chris isaac and three sisters by in excess but actually so dancing by chris isaac was playing in the bar when crockett's really getting down he mentions payback and he does that introspective look at himself in the mirror i made a really good gif of it so i wanted to look up the lyrics to dancing because it sounded like a sexy song but knowing chris isaac it's probably a depressing song so here are a few of the lyrics i keep dancing dancing nothing left to say, nothing left to do. I find myself alone and thinking just of you. You've got me dancin', dancing. Why don't you help me? Why don't you guide me? Why don't you promise to stand beside me? And some of that does ring true with what Crockett was going through, just feeling alone with nothing more that he could do or say, just having everyone that he thought trusted him and having everyone that he thought was in his corner not believe him except for Tubbs. Tubbs was always on his side and so was Castillo. But to have that feeling of betrayal and not feeling safe at work or at home like I think that is an incredibly tough thing to deal with and I understand that in that day and age mental health wasn't as championed as it is today but like this is definitely an example of someone who could have really used those resources and it wasn't really fair just to have him deal with this on his own. So I did not intend to bring down the house but let's get things a little bit more lively before we sign up for this episode. Let's talk fashion because it is great in this episode. This one is so tough. Okay so best dressed men obviously it's going to go towards Crockett and Tubbs but I am a little bit torn because as much as I love Crockett's outfit in the cold open with the white blazer and the Wayfarers and just super iconic him putting his badge up on the window, I can't get over how good he looks in that particular shade of light turquoise. He just looks like a million bucks. And I really like how thin and textured the jacket is. And then also Tubbs looking like a million bucks with the blazer, with the gray striped blazer with the pink undershirt and the blue pattern tie. Those are definitely going to be my best dressed men because best dressed ladies, I'm going to give it up to my girl in this gold tube top bumming a drag off, hopefully her friend or just some random girl at the bar. And she has a matching, it looks like maybe a banana clip or maybe a little hat in the back. So she's all in gold sequins, which I love. And... I just got to give it up for her. I also really appreciate the two girls in swimsuits on the yacht. I like the yellow bikini and then I like the really sexy one piece. Both look a million bucks. Now wild card. I've definitely already spoiled this because it's definitely going to go for each gender. Let's go. Dan Hadaya. That turquoise purple combo just like the brightest colors with the salt and pepper chest hair poking out and then we have the woman who i'm sure in this picture in real life back in the day, it was like maybe 25 years old but she looks like she's 45 because of all that makeup but i just can't get over the pearls i just can't get over the flo- i believe it's flamingos and flowers on her shirt with the pearls with the big clip-on earrings with a tequila sunrise and with a huge hair you just cannot top that and just like what does the 80s look like it's this woman and obviously best decor I cannot get over the interior of this bar and I wish this bar was still here to say still here to stay but sadly not but maybe yes maybe one day I'll do a Frankie and Johnny's pop-up in Los Angeles you can all come lots of glass blocks everywhere it's funny, I'm like, who even makes glass blocks anymore? But I recently went to a bar that had just opened up with glass blocks, and I was like, that was not there before, so who is your guy? Because I want to know. <laughs> and quote of the episode. At first, I was going to do something a little bit more serious, but I think I got to give it up to our boy, Crockett, who's not so happy with the seating arrangements at Frankie and Johnny's.
1: Love the table, toots. Maybe next time you can put us a little closer to the men, room, huh?
0: There's a really great resource on YouTube about Jan Hammer's um, music, and they basically try to take out the entire song which is taking out dialogue from the episode, Marty Castillo's channel, because I need to start mentioning this in the music, the different Jan Hammer songs, because I was really enjoying Payback, and I really like, I mentioned Russian Story, I totally forgot to mention Crockett's Return, duh, but then there's that song that Um, precedes the scene where they're at Frankie Johnny's and he's giving the server a little bit of uh, grief over the seating that I believe was in Give a Little, Take a Little. I believe it was in the Burlesque Club. And I'm trying to find the name of it, so I will definitely be checking that. But yes, if you have any uh, Jan Hammer. Appreciation in your heart, you'll definitely like that channel because they do a really good job of just grabbing the music by itself. And with that, I'm going to sign off on this episode. I really enjoyed going through Payback. Again, if you have not watched the episode, please do so. The cinematography, the shots, the lighting. The plot, the acting, all top-notch. The accents, not so much, but we'll forgive them for that. Thank you again for tuning in. Again, you can hear Vice and Easy every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like and subscribe. It really helps the channel if you want to leave a positive review. Also really helps me out. You can find me on all things social at Vice and Easy podcast. You can find me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. If you don't see the podcast listed wherever you listen, feel free. Definitely shoot me an email or go through the contact form on the Vice and Easy website. And I'll definitely make sure that it's distributed on the platform of your choice. Thank you again for listening. As always, we'll see you next week. And as always.
2: Hey, man, Miami Wise is number one new show.